Okay, Bridge Kids, thank you so much for being here. And the rest of us are back in the book of Proverbs this morning. I want to begin by telling about Duke University professor Dan O'Reilly, who wrote a book called The Honest Truth About Dishonesty. In his book, he made this observation. He said, over the course of many years of teaching, I have noticed there, are, there typically seems to be a rash of deaths among students' relatives at the end of the semester. It happens mostly the week of final exams and before papers are due. And you can probably guess, because maybe you've heard this before, which, relatively is in the, which relative is in the most danger of serious health issues? Grandmothers, okay? Uh, another study has shown that grandmothers are 10 times more likely to die before a midterm and 19 times more likely to die during finals week. Um, and there are more deaths of students who are failing in school than uh, students who are not failing in school. In fact, uh, students who are failing, it's 50 times more likely to lose their grandmothers during the week of finals. There seems to be some kind of correlation between um, student, a student's academic success and their, mother's grandmother, their grandmother's health. And one of the lessons that we can learn is if you are a grandmother, just be careful about sending your grandkids off to college because it could be fatal. Today we're in the book of Proverbs again, and we're going to learn about wisdom because wisdom is the art of skillful li living, and we're going to learn from the dishonest. Um, wisdom is about discerning and not being gullible. You know, it's normal for kids and innocent people before they get exposed to a lot of world issues and worldly issues that they are naive and they can be gullible and that's okay for kids and that's why uh, God wants them to have wise parents to help them navigate and um, you know how to figure out relating to our to our world uh, wisdom is about making the best choices for daily living. It's not just about knowing the truth and knowing about the truth, but it's about knowing how to apply the truth to our daily living. So we're going to learn from the dishonest, So we're going to start with this question. What are some traits of a dis dishonest person? What are some traits of a dishonest person? When we think about an honest person, an honest person is the opposite of dishonest, a dishonest person. Uh, an honest person seeks to be morally upright and fair. An honest person is truthful. An honest person has integrity. An honest person is trustworthy. All of those things fit together with honesty. A dishonest person distorts truth and deceives other, others, and they are not truthful. So what does Proverbs 10 18 have to say about dishonesty. And the writer says, whoever conceals hatred with lying lips spreads slander, uh, is, whoever spreads slander is a fool. This is a dishonest 
person. This person covers up their, their true feelings with an intent to humiliate uh, or embarrass another person. They spread misinformation. Um, and by the way, sadly, this kind of person sometimes does really well in politics. At least in our day and age, it seems there seems to be some correlation. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 5, the plans of the righteous are just, but the advice of the wicked is deceitful. The dishonest person is deceitful in giving advice. They know the truth, but they don't want to share the truth or all of the truth. They, they want to they paint a picture and give their v version of... Um, of, of, the, of the story. They want to give their version with the intention to mislead the people they're giving advice to. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 17, we're looking at traits of a dishonest person. An honest person tells the truth, but a false witness, false witness tells lies. So this would be what we call an antithetical parallelism. It's, it's a comparison between an honest person and a dishonest person. Um, the honest witness tells the truth about what they saw. A false witness is dishonest. They distort the truth. They deceive. They do not tell truth in accuracy. Um, they want to give their version of the facts, the version that they prefer. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 5, an honest witness does not deceive, but a false witness pours out lies. This is a, another comparison of the honest and the dishonest. Now, be reminded that this was for parents to teach their kids uh, at home. The home was to be an environment of uh, honesty and truth, it was to be a safe place to give instruction to kids and where kids could ask hard questions. But kids that are raised in a culture of dishonesty, and maybe that's some of you, when you're raised in a culture of dishonesty, when truth is not always told and where it can be covered up, it's so easy to learn, even if you don't try, that this is normal and this is how to navigate situations in life by not telling the truth. Um, and kids need to learn about um, people who harbor uh, deceit. Uh, and kids who are raised in a culture of dishonesty have much dysfunction. And some of you know about it You're, you, in your adult years, long after you become an adult. You are learning to process how to, how to be honest and how to speak truth because of how you were raised in your own home. Proverbs 26 and verse 24, enemies disguise themselves with their lips, but in their hearts they harbor deceit. You know, we, we talked about how some people are gullible. You know, we, we, it's okay when, you know, kids... They're learning about life. They're not supposed to know everything and have experienced everything. But, you know, hopefully when they grow up and to be adults, they're, they're not quite as gullible, though some adults are pretty gullible. Um, and, and kids need to learn from wise parents. They need to learn about um, 
people, they need to learn about people who give out false information. They, they need to learn that some people have harmful motives and, and they, don't, they don't intend to be truthful and they, they may have some personal gain in mind. So enemies disguise themselves with their lips, but in their hearts they harbor deceit. Some people harbor deceit. Our kids need to know that. Second question I want us to ask is, what are some outcomes of a dishonest lifestyle? We're going to talk about outcomes. Um, Proverbs 17, verse 20, one whose heart is corrupt does not prosper. One who, whose tongue is perverse falls into trouble. Dishonesty can get us into trouble. Now, I know we're covering a lot of passages and going through some of them kind of quickly. It's kind of a survey, but once in a while, it's just really good to see how much the Bible says about some of these things. And I hope they get our attention. Some outcomes of a dishonest lifestyle. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 20. One whose heart is corrupt does not prosper. One whose tongue is perverse falls into trouble. So, you know, I know that our world thinks that, oh, we can... Yeah, but that doesn't apply to me. We can, there's a way to beat this. Um, in 2020, David T. Hines, a 29-year-old, submitted an application to the Federal Paycheck Protection Program. Heard of that one? He claimed he operated a business with 70 employees. He made several applications and, and claimed that he had $4 million a month in operating expenses. In, a total, in total, he received $13 million from the government in relief funds. But he didn't really have 70 employees to pay. And uh, he spent his money on uh, expensive jewelry, uh, clothing, vacations, dating websites, and a $317,000 Lamborghini. Um, on February 10th of this year, David Hines pleaded guilty to one count of wire fraud and is now serving a six-year term in federal prison. Being dishonest can get us into trouble. Proverbs 15, verse 4, um, the soothing tongue is a tree of life. So when the writer of Proverbs talks about the tongue, he's talking about the organ of speech. It's a metaphor. It's a figure of speech. He's saying soothing speech is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue or perverse speech crushes the spirit. The soothing tongue has amazing potential. It can affirm, it can encourage, it can instruct, it can give advice that... that uh, set people on a good course in, in life. It can soothe, it can validate, it can build up. But then there is a perverse tongue, one that's distorted, one that's not shooting straight, uh, one that's not focused on telling the truth. And it can, it can be someone who distorts and manipulates, and it can crush the spirit of a child. And parents sometimes do that with their words. It also crushes the spirit of an adult as well, doesn't it? Um, 
Proverbs 13, 11, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Now, we live in a day where some people are making money fast, you know, and even in honest ways. And usually if there's a way to make money fast, it's, it's a higher risk. In fact, it's usually a much higher risk. And some people can, can take risk, and they're okay with that. And some people don't handle risk very well at all, and they lose everything, and it's not always very wise. But the Proverbs is saying normally gathering money little by little uh, is the way to make it grow. Dishonest money is going to dwindle away. You're going to lose it. Now, some people can keep dishonest money for a while. You know the guy that got $13 million from the, uh, for relief in the paid protection program? You know, he lasted a year, and some people last a lot longer than that, but you're not going to be honoring God. Proverbs 6, verses 12 through 14, a troublemaker and a villain who goes about with a corrupt mouth, who winks maliciously with his eyes and signals with his feet and motions with his fingers. Now, I don't know what that all looked like, but they got it in the first century culture. When they, when they could see actions and people who were motivated with wrong motives. Verse 14, those who plot evil with deceit in their hearts will always stir up conflict. In 2016, according to The Economist magazine, in an article entitled, titled, Yes, I'd Lie to You, The Post-Truth World, analyzed the, the dishonesty that wreaks havoc in politics, journalism, and social media. I think this is really interesting. The article explained that one of the most effective ways to tell lies is by hiding the truth in a glut of information. I think we see this almost every day in our culture now. It's... it's um, It, uh, one expert says it's, it's, it pays to be outrageous but not truthful. And um, the most effective way is to hide the truth in a glut of information, just overwhelm with information. Um, the information is the new censorship, says a professor at the University of North Carolina. He pointed out how China does not try to censor social media as much as it used to. Now, it just begins to overwhelm communication networks with distracting information to keep people away from the truth so they're not sure where the truth lies. Um, the truth can easily become lost in an overwhelming glut of information. I think we see this today in American politics. If you try to follow what's going on, uh, you may come with a strong perspective on what's true, but you can watch some news sources that seem to be de democratic in, in their policies and their viewpoints, and you can watch some news uh, networks that seem to be more Republican and sometimes they focus so much on information that 
without dealing with other information. It's just a whole glut of information about what's going on in politics and what is true and what's going on actually. Is it always one-sided? I don't think so. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 18, like a club or a sword or a sharp arrow is one who gives false testimony against a neighbor. This just reminds us how powerful our words can be. Words can hurt people. Misinformation can damage like a club, like a sword, like an arrow. This is so important to teach our kids how hurtful words can be. Proverbs chapter 19, verses 5 and 9, there are two verses here. Verse 5 says, A false witness will not go unpunished, and whoever pours out lies will not go free. Verse 9, A false witness will not go unpunished, and whoever pours out lies will perish. And we have all kinds of people that say, I don't think that's true. They're not going to catch me. And we live in a day and age where there's a lot of confusion about what truth is. In 2015, two Spanish brothers attempted to sell a Goya painting to a wealthy Arab sheik for $1.9 million. It all went well, but the scheme backfired um, when the rich Arab sheik paid for the painting with counterfeit money. The brothers didn't know that. They attempted to deposit the counterfeit money in a bank in Geneva, Switzerland. They were detained by Fre French customs who uh, contacted the Spanish authorities and they were arrested for fraud. Dishonesty can get you into big trouble. Okay, third question, number three. What is God's view of a dishonest person? What does God think about people who are dishonest? Proverbs 11.1, 1, The Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. God is concerned about business practices, honest business practices. He's concerned how we handle our business practices, our financial dealings. Now, in the 10th century before Christ, when most of the Proverbs were written, people would barter with their produce, and they brought it to be weighed so that you got an accurate amount of what this is so that there would be an accurate worth, and then it could be exchanged for something else of accurate value. And God detests people who use dishonest scales or dishonest weights. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 10 Differing weights and differing measures, the Lord detests them both. Pretty clear, pretty strong. God does not like cheating. He does not like us to misrepresent ourselves when we're dealing with business or finances. In 2020, 62-year-old Mark Grennan and his three adult sons were arrested for selling industrial bleach as a miracle mineral solution. It was advertised to cure COVID-19, cancer, autism, HIV, AIDS, and malaria. All you have to do is buy it. 
The Department of Justice reported that the Grenons sold thousands of bottles of the miracle cure. Talk about people being gullible. They operated falsely under the name of Genesis 2 Church of Health and Healing to avoid government scrutiny. There were many reports that people developed uh, life-threatening issues, were hospitalized, and some even died. The Lord detests dishonest business practices. Proverbs chapter 2, 12, chapter 12, verse 22. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Detests lying lips, but he, he delights. Want to be a person who delights God? God delights in truth tellers. He delights in people who are trustworthy, people who keep their word, people who have integrity, people who live out the truth. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes. He's talking about pride, people who think they're more important or better than other people. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue. There we have it, dishonesty. Hands that shed innocent blood, violence against innocent. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush to evil. And here we get again in verse 19, a false witness, somebody who deceives and distorts, who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. In 2007, Greg Mortensen published a best-selling book entitled Three Cups of Tea. And I won't explain the title. I think the story will make sense. The book tells Mortensen's story of his transition from a nurse and a skilled mountain climber to a great humanitarian committed to reducing poverty. It was a best-selling book. He started a nonprofit with a special focus on educating girls in Afghanistan and Pakistan. His nonprofit reported as they raised funds, 171 schools in 2010, educating over 64,000 children and 54,000 of them were girls. Sounds like a pretty worthwhile endeavor. But in 2011, Mortensen was accused of misrepresenting the facts, and an inquiry discovered that he had misspent $6 million of the nonprofit. And many parts of his story uh, were exaggerated. He, had, he admitted that maybe he exaggerated some of the story. And uh, while he was raising funds, for example, he claimed that he was held hostage by the Taliban. And so he published a picture of him being held by the Taliban. However, the people in the picture eventually came forward and they were researchers who were actually hosting him uh, at their home where they were living at the time. And they were not Taliban. Um, 
the Lord hates lying speech. Number four, why are honesty and truth-telling so important to God? Here's a good question. Why is this such a big deal to God? I have three reasons. The first reason is that God, in his sensual nature, is truthful. This is just who he is at his very core. He's the God of truth. He's the foundation of truth. Um, he is truthful. He speaks truth. He never deceives. He never distorts the truth. Also, he's the Holy Spirit of truth. This is what Jesus said in John 14, 7, um, 14, 17, that the Spirit of God reveals God's Word, reveals the truth about who God is and what he is like and how we can have a relationship with him. God's Spirit is the Spirit of truth, not of dishonesty, not deception, not of embellishment, not misrepresentation. Also, his word is truth. This is what Jesus said in John 17, 17. God's word is truth, and he's referring to the Bible. Um, he's, he's referring to what the spirit of truth has revealed. There is no deception. It is trustworthy. God's promises can be counted on. No deception in God. And then, according to Hebrews 6.18, it is impossible for God to lie. It's just not possible. It goes against its nature and who he is. Second reason. Sometimes we don't think about this. God's enemy, Satan, focuses primarily on deception and distorting the truth. Now, some people aren't sure whether they want to believe in Satan or not. The Bible uh, identifies Satan as a supernatural being, an angel who rebelled against God. It's very powerful, supernatural, real. Angels and demons are invisible, um, and they're very active. The, the Apostle Paul says we're in a spiritual battle right now. Uh, Satan is called the liar and deceiver by Jesus in John 8, 44. This is Satan's mode of operation. He works against God. Um, he seeks to distort God's word and to uh, sidetrack God's people. This is it. And here's what I want us to see from all this. When we think truth isn't important, when we think a little dishonesty is okay, if we think it's okay to misrepresent the truth a little bit, we are standing in the enemy's camp. We are aligning with him against the God of truth, whether we think we're innocent or not. He's called a liar and a deceiver. God is not. Also, he can perform counterfeit miracles to lead people astray. He's a counterfeiter. Uh, he produces not the real thing, not the genuine thing, but a copy of the real thing. And he can do that with miracles. I think sometimes Christians are so deceived about the power of the enemy. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. So the Apostle Paul is talking about end times when the lawless one will be revealed. 
a man who's empowered by Satan in accordance with the works of Satan. He will have a key role in the end times. But Satan just doesn't wait for the end times to work like this. But it will be very clear. And so as we go forward into the future, I'm expecting that our world will see more and more of the supernatural. Some of it will be from God and some of it will be from the enemy. And are you smart enough not to be deceived if you know the truth? Um, the coming of the lawless one will, will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders. Those are miracles, and they serve the lie. Sometimes people think if it's a miracle and it looks good, it has to be from God. Not so. That's why who is the messenger, and what does the messenger believe? Um, People can have real miraculous power and, and it's in accordance with Satan's power and it will serve Satan, the enemy. In verse 10, and all the ways that wickedness deceive those who are perishing, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. It's about truth or deception. And Satan has a focus of deception which can lead people away from the true and living God to cause them to miss the, who Jesus is and that he died for them. We are witnesses of the truth. And the best way we communicate that is by words and deeds. It's by our life as well as our words. Also, Satan and his demons can masquerade as messengers of good. They can masquerade. It's like putting on a mask. It doesn't show who they really are. They can masquerade. They can cover up and not show their true identity. And they look like they're messengers of good. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and 15. And the Apostle Paul writes, And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. He was saying this in the first century. It was happening then. Satan was masquerading as an angel of light. An angel of light. Masquerading like an angel of God, like he was really doing good. And yet, he was distorting the truth and misrepresenting God. Um, and so, Satan can empower his servants to be good and to look good. They can look like servants of righteousness. Um, religious leaders can look good and not have power from God but do supernatural things. Religious leaders, some who claim to be Christian, world religious leaders from world religions have the ability sometimes to do things with supernatural power, not because of God, because they're in submission to the enemy, whether they always know it or not. Third reason, God, God's one and only Son, Jesus, is the ultimate revelation of truth. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of truth. And Satan serves in opposition for all that Jesus stands for, to, to Jesus' Uh, life and Jesus' uh, kingdom work. 
John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way to God and there is no other way. He is the truth personified in person. You know, you want to know what God is like? Study the person of Jesus. Because God revealed himself in a person without sin. And you learn a whole lot about God in following the life of Jesus. Jesus is the way to God. Jesus is the truth personified. Jesus displays the very nature of God. Um, and Jesus can be trusted. Everything about Jesus is in opposition to Satan's power and his authority. So what, sh what should my response be? Thanks for asking. First of all, know God's word. The truth. Know the truth. Jesus said, know the truth, and it will set you free. Uh, God's word is true. It shows us who God is and what he is like. It is the way of salvation and forgiveness. It instructs us how to live. You know, get an accurate view of who you are. You're a sinner, yes. And sometimes we get, we get, we, even when we're, if we've become Christ followers, we begin to think we're like better than other people. Wrong. Yet, we have an identity in Christ being forgiven. We're children of God. We're, angel, we're, we're um, light in the Lord. We're, we're ambassadors for Christ. We're citizens of heaven. There are so many things about us that are true. Um, and we need to know God's word. I need to know God's word. I need to know it well. Uh, God's word is spiritual food for our souls and produces life and health. That's why the apostle Paul, uh, Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, he says, like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now, Peter's talking about God's word. He's using a metaphor for God's word, spiritual milk. Just like babies crave for, for their mom's milk, he's saying, you as a Christ follower, that's what you need. If you're going to grow, you need to, you need to crave God's word um, because God's word produces spiritual growth. And guess what? You're not going to grow apart from God's word. So if you're only exposed to God's word once in a while, periodically once every Sunday or so, I don't think you're going to grow very much. But when you start digging into the word for yourself, you're going to grow. And if you give your life to this, you're just going to keep growing as a Christ follower. The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, and he's actually exhorting the Hebrews uh, for their spiritual immaturity. He's saying, guys, come on, you should be growing by now, but you're stuck. Here's what he says. In fact, though, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You ought to be smart enough to teach the Bible now. He's not saying you're supposed to have the gift of spiritual teaching. He says, you just got to be a little, you got to know more about God's word. You ought to be teachers. You, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. 
you got to go back to the basics. You haven't gotten those down yet. You should be way beyond that, he's saying. Um, Verse 13, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. So he's saying, you know what? Spiritual milk is good. Um, And when you start out new to the faith and new to the Bible, we got to start with simple things and get those down. But we don't have to stay there very long. Some people grow really fast as they, as they begin to take in God's Word. And, you know, for kids, it's going to take time to grow up, and the more they grow up, the more they're going to engage uh, with God's Word. That's possible. But to have an adult sit where they are for 20 years or 30 years, it's really sad. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food, verse 14, is for the mature who by constant use, constant use, they, this isn't just a once in a while thing. They use it all the time. Constant use. Have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. It trains us to discern. Some things aren't always black and white. And we need discernment. And God's word gives us discernment. It trains us more and more as we're exposed to God's word. It can train us to discern truth from deception, wisdom uh, from foolishness. So just what's your plan? What are you doing right now? It's so important um, that we learn God's word. How are we going to be able to discern good and evil? How are we going to truth from non-truth? So many times people hear something, sounds good to them, and they get so excited about it. The scriptures said it 2,500 years ago, falls, but people don't know it. People get so discouraged because they don't know what God has already said. They think we we have a tendency to, um, when things are going well, we we think God is great. But when we go through difficult times, we begin to wonder, what's wrong with God? What's wrong with the sovereign God of the universe who's already told us about these things? If we just knew some of those things, we would know he can be trusted even during these hard times. What else should we do? What else should my response be? Focus on humble obedience. This will help us stay connected with truth and honesty. Proverbs 28, verse 13, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So this is just about being honest, being truthful about sin our own sin. You know, it's just easy to cover up. Um, It's hard when we get caught, if somebody exposes us, we need to confess our sins to God and to be honest with Him. And we also need to sometimes confess to other people when when we've hurt them or been been dishonest with them. Um, We need to be honest with each other and confess our sins. Last verse, the Apostle Paul writes, Flip uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. Therefore, each one of you must put off falsehood. 
Speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. It's just simple, basic truth-telling with each other. No lies, no cover-ups, uh, no represent, misrepresentations, no exaggerations, no trying to look better than we really are. Just the truth. When you think about this, this really affects families. Uh, it affects our relationship with friends. It, it affects our relationship in the workplace. If we're with people who tell the truth or people who don't tell the truth, um, it affects our church. Proverbs shows that we can learn from the dishonest. Since Satan tempted Adam and Eve, if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, that's where it got started. Adam and Eve had this perfect environment. Satan came along and challenged what, what God had said. This is what God said. Are you sure God said that? I don't think he did. And then pretty soon, well, maybe. And, th and then um, they make a leap. And then pretty soon they're covering up their own sin. And people have been covering up and misrepresenting the truth ever since then. And when we misrepresent the truth, we are actually in line with our enemy, Satan himself. Sometimes we think little white lies are, are innocent, yet it goes against God and his word. We have been given the way, the truth, and the life through Jesus. We have been given God's word to help us grow, to guide us, to equip us, to instruct, instruct us, to nurture us, to bring us comfort, to bring us peace. Let us be people of the truth. Um, let us be people who are honest, people who have integrity, people who seek to align with truth and the God of truth, bringing our life under the lordship of Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Let's stand for prayer. Thank you, Father, for um, the book of Proverbs, and thank you for what we can learn about dishonesty. And God, may we um, just think about our own lives and how easy it is to slide and when people around us don't care about the truth, it's, it's easy to exaggerate. It's, it's easy to misrepresent the facts sometimes or to make a story look better than it really is. It's easy sometimes to be dishonest and misrepresenting our finances. God, give us a heart for truth to align our lives with truth, to align our lives with you, for Jesus' sake, amen.